it, it, is, it is good to be with you all here tonight. I see so many familiar faces. I have been away for a while, and it's, it's good to come back. And in that, sort of in that uh, vein, I'd like to thank Jonathan and Janet for pastoring this group so well. And I include myself as one of these, uh, one of these groups. Pastoring is, is not easy and it's not for the faint of heart. I discovered after I got into it. <laughs> um, but uh, they, they, they love us, they care about us, they work hard for us and, and we're grateful. And also Monique and her worship team. You know, I, I just... The church I attend now is, has about 50 or 60 people and they have a guitar player and a singer. And I come here on Monday night and we have a guitar player and a couple singers. I haven't, I haven't, you know, I'm not hearing the, the big, there's no screens and screaming stuff. And it's just, it's just songs about God. And I feel myself like pulled into it as opposed to standing back going, that's too bright. That's too loud. I can hear the drums. All I can hear are the drums. Like, it's so nice. So thank, thank you guys for that. Um, I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I love him with all my heart, soul, my mind, my strength. And I am a child of God, and I am a person of worth, even though I struggle with pride and I get angry sometimes. And my name is Ron. It's so great to be with you guys here tonight. I am going to talk about, about being ready, but just before, will you give me about two minutes? Some have asked over the winter what Fort Myers was like when I got down there, because there was a devastating Cat 4 hurricane on the 28th of September, my wife and I get down there on the 6th of November, about six weeks after, and uh, it was bad. Um, Douglas, do we have some pictures that we could, we could put up? Are they there? There they are. So this is not my picture. This is a picture that, was take, that took place in the afternoon of the hurricane. That's, that's a beautiful street in the historic downtown part. Can you see the water? Isn't that, isn't that horrible? The next one will show you what it was like from inside, inside of one of the buildings. So this is... Yeah, so there's the street. Normally you come out those doors. This is a little condo downtown. You come out those doors and you go find something to eat or you go somewhere. Well, this is, this is how bad it was. So what happened is everything that got flooded, which is literally miles of housing and businesses, the water damaged everything and it all had to be thrown out, everything. So on the side of the street, go ahead, Douglas, on the side of the street, you would see uh, all sorts of things. Well, this is just another one of the downtown area. Go one more if you would. You will see, this is, this is what, what happens. They put beds and TVs and couches and cupboards, everything. Now, I, I had coffee with someone last week and they said, yeah, but that's no problem because you're all insured. Well, I don't know if you've been to Florida or not, but Florida has a lot of mobile park homes. And people, the reason people live in mobile park homes is because they can't afford anything nicer. And they certainly can't afford insurance. They're trying to get by. So no, a lot of these people, this is what they had, and that's all they had. But I, I, I'm really pleased to tell you that at least the part of Florida that I am in is so resilient. These people, I joke because I said, here in Ontario, we'd all be pulling together a committee to decide who was going to act on it. We were going to, first thing we do, we'd ask the government to fund it and everything else. They just started helping each other. Go ahead, Douglas, show the, the next one if you would. This is just what I, I walk a lot and I take, these are my pictures. I walk and I take pictures. And, and this, look at the toilet, just sitting there. Somebody had to yank that out. The houses had to be gutted. The drywall had to be cut off about six or eight feet up. Next picture, if you would. 
So what happens is we're, Fort Myers, if you don't know, is Fort Myers Beach is on the ocean, on the um, um, Gulf of Mexico. And then there's a beautiful, but a mile and a half wide river that comes inland called the Caloosahatchee. They have the most beautiful yachts that were sitting in these beautiful yacht clubs and harbors. Well, what happens is when the water goes up by eight feet, all the boats go up. What do boats do when they're no longer moored to a, to a dock? They start floating. They float inland. The water recesses and the, and the boats just land wherever they are. We saw boats on cars. Yeah, like crazy. So you can see here, um, this is, uh, we, we happen to live in the building on the right there, and this is just outside of our place, all of this stuff on the street. Next one. There's some, uh, and when we came home last week of April, there were some that were still like that, that hadn't been salvaged. It costs a lot of money to, uh, money to remove these boats from the water and take them away and break them down. Next. Yeah, that's pretty nasty. Just like, like cabin cruiser on top of cabin cruiser. Next picture. Uh, so this I wanted to mention. The church I attend down there is a church that you attend. You just don't know that you attend this church. It's called Grace um, United Methodist. And the reason I say you attend it is you've seen most of the testimonies here come from that church. That church sprung into action because they're a community-based church. They constantly are doing things. Every September, they put together about 150 knapsacks for children going back to school that don't have what they need. They put shoes in there. They put toothpaste, toothbrushes. They put in notepads, all sorts. They do this on a regular basis. Well, they jumped in, and one Saturday morning, I happened to go with them to this trailer park, and we rebuilt or built a whole bunch of these picnic tables to allow them to be able to come out and eat. This, this, our, church, our church, Grace, feeds these folks every Wednesday night. They come down with great big vats of chili and, and kind of what we do here on a, just a little bit larger scale, only they have to transport it, and they feed these folks. It's just a beautiful thing. So I think that's the last picture. Yeah, so I did this so you could understand what it's like because I was blown away by how bad it was, and I also ask you to pray. Continue to pray for the people in Fort Myers. In our building, our building is a nice building. There are people that are renting in there because their homes have been devastated. Like, they're not, literally not there anymore. So they've rented a unit in our building for a year, and they're trying to get their life together. So if you could remember to pray for them, that would be, that would be great. Thank you. And thanks for letting me share that with you as well. So tonight we're going to talk about being ready. Now, I remember years ago, this is in the late 90s, early 2000s, we used to um, go on vacations with another family from our church. I won't say their names because most of you know them, but we were down in Florida once at an amusement park. And there was one of these rides where it's round circular thing and there's a pole in the middle. And you sit, you sit down, you strap yourself in, and then it slowly goes up. And when it gets to the top, what does it do? It releases and you drop down. Or so I thought. I get on, I'm wearing flip-flop sandals, got my shorts on, I'm on vacation in Florida, having a good time. I thought this is what this thing did. So I'm kind of just, you know, looking around. I look over at David. David is my son's age. David's looking, going, as he's saying, get ready, it starts. This thing is like being shot out of a cannon. <laughs> it goes whoosh to the top, stops, drops halfway, stops, goes up, goes up. Needless to say, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I'm yelling, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. 
So while I was preparing this teaching, I was thinking of that. Sometimes we cry out to God that we're not ready, but sometimes it's too late. But sometimes I think we don't really mean it. We don't really mean it. Oh God, would you please fix this for me? Would you please transform me? Will you please make this better? And then God comes along and wants to do it. And you're like, what, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing telling me I got to end this relationship? What are you doing telling me I got to quit this job? What are you doing telling me I can't watch this anymore? Wait a minute. And sometimes we don't even realize we ask God for something. And he started to deliver and we're, and we're not ready. Well, one of the steps that, we, that we're doing, step six, says we were entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. We were entirely ready to have God remove these defects, def, uh, defects of character. Not we're almost ready, not we're partially ready. We need to be entirely ready. And tonight is about are you entirely ready? Because if not, you're going to be screaming like a baby like I was when it starts and you're not ready, or worse, God's not going to do it for you because you're not ready. So we're here tonight. Why? Because, well, we like Monday nights, but I would say because we've all dealt with hurts, habits, hang-ups, addictions, or afflictions, one or more in the past. Something has brought us to Christ. Something has brought us to CR. Something has brought us to our knees. And we're working on it. We've done a few things so far as we work these steps. We admitted that we had a problem and that we were powerless to fix it ourselves. Amen? We came to believe that God could and would help us. Amen? We sought him and we turned our life over and our will over to his care and direction. And we did a spiritual inventory and we shared it with God and another person, right? Okay, we're on our way, but are we ready? Are we ready? I ask you, what does it mean to be entirely ready? Clearly, flipping your shoes around, looking around is not entirely ready when you're about to be launched into space. What does it mean to be ready to have God remove these defects of character? We're going we're gonna to figure that out. I'm going to say this. Let me read this to you. To be entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character that we all have. You're, you're not odd because you have them. We all have them. I'd like to think that we're at least smart enough to know that we have them, and that's why we're here tonight. To do that, we all have to surrender our autonomy, our independence, our self-sufficiency. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 don't tell me that. Our sovereignty. No, 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 no. And we have to give it over to God. You see, to some of us, that doesn't come easy because I'm a self-made man. I worked in the corporate world. I moved up the chain. I made big money. See my car out there? I get to speak at CR. I got an education. You know what I mean? Like, we, we like to do this. I'm, I'm a reverend. Did you know that? You should call me Reverend Dyer because I am ordained. Like, we seem to think that we do it. And to be ready to have God change you and remove your defects, you have to pull the air out of that balloon. You have to deflate yourself and say, I'm a child of God. I'm a person of worth but he is the one who's in charge. He's the one who made me. He's the one who breathed life into my lungs. Our world won't tell us that. What will our world tell us? What will our world tell us? We have what? We have rights. And, and we have entitlements. And I am owed 
a good living, and I am owed shelter, and I am owed respect, and I, and I am owed all these things, and I'm here to tell you tonight, you're not owed nothing, nothing. It's nice when we get those things, but we're not owed them. God is gracious enough to allow us to receive a lot of them, but we're not owed them. You know, one of the things about those that don't study history, there's a great phrase, they're doomed to repeat it, but one of the things about those that don't study history is they just don't know how good we have it today. They just don't. Something as simple as electricity or fresh, clean, running water. It's amazing how we take that for granted. The world will tell you to be the king of your life or be the queen of your life, and I'm here to tell you that there's only one king, and it's God, and he sits on the throne, and you better get off that throne. You are not the God of your life. God, Jehovah, is the God of your life. And the sooner you realize that, the better for you, the better for your loved ones, the better for ones around you. He gave me my life, and he wants me to be happy and healthy and fully functioning. And the way I do that is I get out of the way and I allow him to bless me. Oh, yes, Pastor Ron, I love that. I love being blessed. I love when God just blesses showers of blessing let's write a song let's sing a song showers of blessing how great it is i'm not talking about that i'm talking about getting out of the way and let god allow you to become the man or woman that you're supposed to be uh i'm not young i realize that i'm, I'm getting old hey this year i get my old age security <laughs> my entitlement i'm old. Yeah. but i'm old enough to realize that I can't live forever, and I need to be dependent on God, and I want him to be in the place that I want him to be. See, if I'm trying to control my future and my surroundings, then I'm really not ready for God to remove these defects of character. If I think that I can control things, that I'm not ready. So that's what I want you to really kind of take away is, if you don't Get out of God's way. If you don't surrender this power, this, this strength, this, this identity, you are not going to be able to be changed. You're relying on yourself, not God. You're still playing God. And guess what? If you're playing God, Tammy, and God's playing God, who's going to do the role better? Now fill in your name for Tammy, and the answer is the same. God is the best God. There is no other God. We have no other gods. We think we do. We, we idolize things like they're our God. We just, we just watch people lose their minds because a hockey team of millionaires didn't go far enough in the playoffs. Sorry if that hits a, hits a nerve. But we take things that shouldn't be and we put them up here. And the only thing that should be up here is God. And we should be looking up to God. So why am I saying all this stuff? Because in order to be prepared, you have to be humble. The opposite of proud is humble. One of the steps, the, the, the scripture that goes with the step that we're looking at tonight. Who can tell me? We didn't do the steps tonight, but who can tell me what the step is that goes with tonight? Anybody? James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. You see, we have it backwards. We think we lift ourselves up, and God will be proud of us. No, we humble ourselves, and he will lift us up. Anybody remember the Beatitudes? Jesus said, yeah. yeah. Christianity is sort of the opposite of what you think. We have to die to live forever. We have to humble ourselves to be lifted up. We have to be merciful to receive mercy. It says that we must humble ourselves before the Lord and he will lift us up. Well, what are we talking about? 
I'm talking about every aspect of your life. If you're in a marriage, you've got to humble yourself in your marriage. If you're on a job, you've got to humble yourself at a job. No, Ron, you do not know my boss. If I act meek and mild around my boss, you don't know what will happen. No, but let's find out. Maybe he's dealing with something, and when he sees you being so humble, he'll, he'll want to talk to you. In your home, in your family, in your health, in your relationships, in recovery, in everything. Maybe you go in that room at 8 o'clock, and you don't share your heart because you're worried about what people think about you. You know what? When you're dead, it's not going to matter what people think about you. And don't you want to live a better life between now and being dead? Boy, that sounds horrible. Let's clip that out of this recording, okay? <laughs> this is against our fallen nature to be humble. It's against our fallen nature. The other thing, too, that we tend to make a mistake when we're getting ready is we rush it. We rush it. When I was in Florida, I had the, the joy of running a, a walking a marathon. I walked it. 5K marathon for fundraiser down there. And... Uh, um, we all go at the same time because they have this little device. I didn't know this. They have this device in your numbers here. So when you cross the start line, it starts your counter and it finishes. And, and I'm like walking, so I go, and I see these guys that are similar age category of me. They're probably collecting old age security by now too. And they start to go past me pretty quick, and I find them about three kilometers in because they, I guess they thought it was a sprint or they underestimated how much energy it would take to do the full length. Sometimes we make that mistake. God, we want to make a change. Let's make a change right now before midnight. Tonight, tonight, we're going to make a change. Everything's going to change. We're going to do it. Like, right now, right now, right now. Have you ever tried to grow flowers like that? Have you ever tried to grow tomatoes like that? Doesn't work. You have to be what? Patient. Thank you, Hal. You have to be patient. So pace yourself. Trying to do things in a time other than God's is not going to work. It took you more than one night to get into your problem. It's going to take you more than one night to get out of your problem. That's why we do a year-long set of teachings that we repeat and repeat, because we want you to be continually at it. So, I know it's easy to see the need for change. Uh, a, a dear lady that I met a number of years ago uh, through Teen Challenge, uh, I saw her, her posting this week, and she said, guys, just so you know, I'm going back to Teen Challenge doing another year. And I, I couldn't be more proud of this woman because she knows what she needs to do to get healthy. She did it once. It didn't quite work. She's doing it again. Praise God that she's got the wisdom to do that. Um, we need to have that wisdom to know that, you know, when I started coming to CR 18 months ago, I was making some great changes, but now I'm not. And that's probably because you're not ready for God to make these changes in defect because you're holding on to something. You won't let everything go. Yeah, but if I let everything go, Ron, people are going to know who I really am. Exactly. Exactly. That was that song. That song was incredible. That song was so amazing. Like, couldn't we have church like a 12-step program? You know? And um, actually, I want to bring up my phone real quick because I, uh, I wrote down something out of that song. You all thought I was texting somebody, but I wrote down, what if grace made it safe to tell you the truth? What if grace made it safe to tell you the truth? I'm here to tell you grace does make it safe to tell you the truth. And if I tell you the truth and you don't like me, I consider that to be okay. Because this is, this is God's truth that I, that I share in my relationships and all of that. So it is easy to know that we need to change. It's much harder, much more difficult to accept the change that God wants us to make. That requires vulnerability, 
and it requires selflessness, and we all struggle with that. Perhaps you think this is the change I need here, and God says, yeah, no, this is a change here. Anybody ever encountered that? Okay, I'm going to make these changes, God. I'm going to, I'm going to make all these changes. It's all good, right? We're doing it together. We're... And he says, no, I need you to blow that whole thing up. Oh, I can't do that. This has been my life all my whole life. No, if you want me to get rid of these defects in character, you've got to blow this whole thing up. But I, but I love this thing. Exactly. You've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. God decides he wants to do it another way. You need to be ready for that. The other thing you need to do too is realize when you give up a bad characteristic, something in, a defect in your character, you need to fill it with something or else the bad's going to rush back in. Okay, some of you have experienced this. And, and it's, it's kind of easy to say, let's just pick on something. Let's pick on alcohol. It's easy to stop drinking alcohol, but if you don't do something healthy, the alcohol will come back. And I'm also talking about anger. I'm talking about how you treat your spouse, how you treat your children, how you treat your parents. The bad will come back in and you'll be unable to stop it. And I don't know if it's true or not, but it might even come back in worse. Another example, when you feel stress, you run. You're a runner. Things are closing in. Things aren't going well. You take off. You take off for a couple days. You don't tell anybody where you're going. They're losing their minds because they don't know where you are. So you decide, okay, God, we're going to make that change. We're not going to flee anymore. What will you do when you get stressed? Anybody have an idea? Interactive. Anybody have an idea? What will you do? Yes. Walk the dog. That's good. Nobody? Yes. Call a friend, call an accountability partner, call someone you know will understand. What else? Read the Bible and pray. pray. Low-hanging fruit, that will speak to you. The Spirit will speak through the, the, the prayer, through the Bible. So it's not just, go. that's a great answer, by the way. It's not just go to the Bible and pray. It's that, and call a friend, and go for a walk, and go to the gym, and tell someone you're struggling. Tell them, I, this is so crazy. I had none of this in my notes. I'm just thinking of this right now. But I have, for the first time in my life, told my wife in these last two years when I'm feeling stressed. I used to just not say a word. And now I say to her, this is stressing me. And you know what she does? She backs off. Isn't that amazing? Why didn't I think about this when we were just married? We just celebrated 42 years. I've had 40 years of stress I didn't need. If you know my wife, you think your wife can't stress you. You don't know my wife, okay? She's got a schematic with every button God ever put in me, and she lights them up like a Christmas tree, okay? But I'm serious. I am serious, though. Say it out loud. Say, I'm stressed by this situation. But if I do that, they may move me in my job because I can't take it. Maybe that's the answer God has in store for you. Maybe you're in a job that's causing you all this grief and all this stress and you're not making any changes in your life and it's getting worse because you're too proud to say, I'm going to take a lesser job or a different job. So we need to be continually growing and replacing the bad characters with the good character. I'm going to go to something really weird here. I'm going to go to epidermis. Who knows what epidermis is? 
Skin, skin. Epidermis is your skin. Listen to this from the National Institute of Health. The epidermis constantly renews itself. New cells are made in the lower layers of the epidermis. They move to the surface within four weeks. This constant renewal serves to replace the cells that are lost and fall on the ground as tiny flakes of skin when the skin is rubbed. So you rub your skin and you see flaking and everything. You, your body is constantly renewing your skin. We should be trying to purposefully constantly be renewing our characteristics so that they're positive, God-honoring, God-leading. Instead of going, I'm a graduate of TC, or, or, or I'm a pastor at Cedarview, or wherever, or I'm a worship leader, I don't need to work on anything. You probably need to work on stuff more, because you have this fake sense of importance because you're in leadership. James says, be careful to those teachers, because those teachers will be judged more harshly. So if you want to continue to grow as a person, you need to be replacing your bad characteristics with your good characteristics. You need to be ready to do this. You developed unhealthy, way, unhealthy ways to cope in the past. Now you need to develop healthy ways to cope current and in the future. So everything you're doing, why don't you look at it? Anything you're doing like dealing with stress or anger or anything else and say, is this healthy? Is this helpful? Is this something I want to continue? Is this something I want to remove? God doesn't want us to escape our challenges by doing things that aren't good for us, like running to drugs, alcohol, video games, pornography, anger. He wants us to replace them with the things like we talked about that are much better. He actually wants us to deal with life. A healthy mechanism for this is to face it, not to run from it. I don't need to tell you you're all here. This is great. But even though you're here, this is the start. Every day of your life is a continual until you get back here and you hear this again. In my notes here is, this is what prayer is. This is what Bible reading is. So you, you read my notes ahead of time. This is exactly what we need to be doing. And if you say this, yes, Ron, I get it. However, I want to stop you on the however. You know what the word however means in that context? No. It means no. If you have to qualify your, yes, I'm ready for you to make changes, God, if you have to qualify it, it's no. A yes is a yes with nothing else beside it. If you say, I, however, I love that family, that relationship that I'm in. I love that feeling I get when I do that. I love those people, even though they're dragging me in down. If we say that, then we are not ready. Being ready for change is eliminating the however at all. Sorry? Over the butt. Yep, absolutely. And it leads us to our last thing. Let go and let God. Amen, we're done. Let's pray, we're done. What does that mean? What does that mean? Let go and let God. I love it. If Peter was here, I'd stand up and say, Peter, I've heard it from you 1,000 times. Do it 1,001 times. What does it mean? I want to just poke at that for a minute because I want to make sure that we all agree that we need to let go and let God. See, we think people should behave in a specific way and that life should go according to our plans. And we expect God to honor those plans. God, I, I've lived a good life and I have, I have stayed in my family even though it's been tough and I have provided for my kids even though it's been tough and I've done it. Why, why aren't you rewarding me? Why aren't you giving? See, we have an expectation of what God is supposed to do. We have an entitlement. We think we're owed something. 
And therefore, what that means is we think we know what is good for us. And I'm here to tell you we don't know. God knows. And what we need to do is we need to let go of what we think is right and let God... So when we hear let go, let God, we say, oh, let God, let go of the alcoholism or let go of the anger, let go. No, not only so much that, it is that, but it's let go of what you think the solution is because you're not God. You've got to open up room for God to bring the solution to you. Well, I don't know how, how he's going to do that. That's trust. That's trust. Yeah, but I'm not a good guy with trust, Ron. I, I have trouble letting go. This is why I'm here talking tonight. I want to encourage you, you got to get past that. You got to let that go. If we think that we're owed something and we know what's best for us, it's not going to happen. We can't let God know what to do for us. I want to end off with three scriptures that I hope you will write down or take a picture or something. Because these three are the three I want you to focus on this next week or two. Because this will help you to let go and let God. Let go. Let go of what? Let go of everything that's holding you back. Let go of everything that's bad in your life. Let go of everything that is not moving you forward. And let God provide the solution, the people, the timing, the resources. So it's more than let go of my addiction and let God solve the world's problems. It's let go of everything I hold dear and, and make room to let God make things right. The first scripture is Psalm 118. Psalm 118, it says to us, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in mankind. You see, I'm talking about us trusting ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I am not smart enough to, to be trusted in. I'm not. And you know what else too? I am finicky. Anybody else finicky? Anybody else have bad days? Someone speaks to you and you're, and you're curt with them because you haven't had enough sleep or you haven't had enough to eat or something. See, we're not consistent like God is. God, the Bible says, is unchanging. He's immutable, right? He's, he's who he is. He's not going to change. When you go to God on a Tuesday afternoon or a Sunday morning, he's not going to be sleep deprived or, or, or indigestion from pizzas the night before. He's going to be consistent the whole time. So trust in the Lord, not in mankind or humankind. Don't trust in others. We need to let go of our entitlement and be open to let God bring whatever he's going to bring. We also need to let go of doubt. You see, if I say that, don't, don't do this, but if I say, put your hand up if you believe God exists, everyone will put their hand up. And if I say to you, put your hand up if you believe God will, will bring you what you need, everybody will put their hand up. And then I'm going to go to you and you and you and you and you and say, yeah, well, your, word, your, your actions deny your words because this week you did this, which shows that you didn't trust God. As a pastor, I, I have some things that I really, really care about uh, and things I don't care about. I don't sit there walking through Revelation. What does this bowl mean and, and, and everything else? Those are for Pastor Don type sermons, right? What I think about, what I think about is, is a person saved or not, right? And, and, and do, they, do they understand the, the walk that we've called them to? And, and one of the things you need to do is, is um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So the way you get to where you want to get is not to desire these things, but to desire God and he will bring you the desires of your heart. That's scriptural, you take that to the bank. I've got 34 years, 35 years walking with him. That has been my, I could write an essay on that. 
So you need to do that. But people say, people say, I believe in God. I believe God is faithful, but your actions deny it. You know why? You don't trust that he can truly do it. You don't trust that he can truly do it. You hold back. You say no. And that's what, to me, faith, when the Bible talks about faith, Hebrews chapter 11 is called the faith chapter. And, in the, and it talks about all these great men and women of the Bible, some of them prostitutes, uh, Rahab, um, some of them kings, David. They talk about, it's called the, 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 the faith chapter, and it's called the Hall of Fame of Faith. And what it was is each one of these people, a great example would be David. David gets up in front of Goliath, right? Goliath is this great big guy. David's this little guy. Goliath has got, you know, all this behind him. David's got a, David believed against the odds that it could be done. If it was me, I wouldn't have went out there. Because I'd say, oh, I know God's with me, but that guy's way bigger than me, so it's not going to work. You see, I am choosing my logic over God's logic. Instead of saying, God said, take it to the bank. That's why we lift these examples up in the Bible. The second verse I want you to remember is James 1.6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the waves of the sea, tossed and blown by the wind. So you see, Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. But James also says, but when you ask, you must not doubt. So some people go, yeah, I can't believe the Bible. Jesus says, you have not because you asked not. I asked for a Lincoln, and I never got it. <laughs> no, people do that, Wade. You'd be surprised. I, 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 want, I want a Lincoln. I didn't get a Lincoln. Your God is dead to me. That's like me opening up, I don't know, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, reading one page, one four-bar stanza, and expecting to be able to play the whole thing. I, I, I got I to gotta understand it. I got to learn it. I got to figure this out. But people will do that. They do, my opinion is they do that because they want to discount your God anyways because they want to live as their sovereign. They don't want God ruling them. They want to rule. So, so um, uh, when, when, when you look at this verse and it says, do not doubt because the one who doubts like a wave blown by the sea, you have to go to bed tonight and you have to say, God, help me with my doubt because I don't doubt you're there. I know you're there. No question. I doubt... I, I, I'm sorry, Bev, I'm, I'm, I just see you there. You look so beautiful. I just want to use you and never ask your permission. But Beverly lost Paul a number of years ago. And Paul was her guy. Paul was her husband. Paul, we know, most of us know Paul. I did step study with Paul. Paul poured his heart out to us in that step study. You know? and, I, and in my nature, I'd think, Bev can't go on without Paul. The Bible says, two shall become one flesh. I mean, if you want to ask questions to God when you get there, why don't when one die, the other die? Because if we, if we really are truly connected like that, clearly God has a plan. I don't understand it. He's God, I'm not. And that's why I'm up here going, I don't get it. But Bev has been able to carry on. She's had her days and her moments, but she's got her faith in God, that God will deliver. And some of us that have been married a very long time are like, I couldn't imagine my life without my spouse. And then the last scripture I want to give you is from the book of Proverbs. And then I have a couple questions for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah, of course you did. Because that's one of those famous Bible quotes. Well, what does it say? Trust in the Lord. Well, I do that. I do that with all your heart. I've used this story before, but I, I almost flunked out of high school because I spent the whole time chasing my now wife. 
I did. I really did. I met her in high school. She was popular. All the guys wanted to date her. I was a nerd. I was um, not a guy people wanted to date, and I worked really hard to win her. So what I did, though, is I, uh, uh, I used all my heart on her. Can you imagine if we do that with God? If we're in pursuit of a person, if we're in pursuit of God that way, that we're willing to put everything else aside because like, I'm crazy. I just knew I wanted to marry her and I did everything I could. And then I spent years later learning everything I should have learned in high school because I didn't pay attention. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not with most of your heart, not with a lot of your heart, not with 99% of your heart, with all your heart. What does that mean? It means you can't have room for doubt. You can't have room for, but I'm keeping this little corner. I like, I've given up all drugs and alcohol, but I need to smoke weed once a week. No, you can't do that. You have to say, I'm done. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Yeah, but I'm pretty smart. I'm a PhD or I'm a whatever, and I've got an IQ of a billion and two. Like That still means nothing. We are, we, are, we are failures when it comes to being consistent, for one thing. We have our biases. We have our prejudices. We have our, our misunderstandings. We can't rely on ourselves. So lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. Oh, I do a pretty good job of that. I go to church on Sunday. I go to CR on Monday. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You don't mean pray in public in a restaurant, do you? Oh, no, please don't tell me I have to do that. What if the server comes and my wife and I are holding hands and saying our prayer? That'll be so embarrassing. You see, you have to acknowledge God in everything you do. Now, don't become the guy who's down in Fort Myers and most nights he's on the street corner with a bullhorn. You need to give your life over to God. True, he does this. You're all going to hell. If you don't give your life over to God, I don't think that's what it means in all your ways acknowledge him. I think in all your ways acknowledge him says, thank you, Lord, for this bread and this soup. Thank you, Lord, for this one room uh, room I'm renting. Thank you, Lord, for this promotion at work. Thank you, Lord, that I have a relationship again with my child that I didn't have. Thank you, Lord, that, um, that my wife didn't suffer and you took her sooner rather than later. Like in all, all your things, you acknowledge him. And then the last part is beautiful. And he will make your paths straight. Uh, years ago, I worked for a big uh, IT company that was based out of California. And I got to go to California a lot. And uh, I was in my 20s and 30s. And I had an expense account and a rental car. And I remember driving down, uh, I think it's A1 or A1A, A1 on the coast of California. And I've got the car and I'm sitting there and I'm driving down. And here's the Pacific Ocean. And here's a guardrail. And I realized that if I go over that guardrail, it is over. Like there's no coming back from this. This is, this is horrible. I was so thankful for that guardrail because that guardrail made my path straight. You see, we need bumpers. We need these rails. We need the Guys, I think we need them more than the ladies do. I really do. Because I think we got ridiculous things in our head that we sometimes try to do. And when we have these guardrails, it helps us. God says, trust uh, I, the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, everything. Lean not on your own understanding, your way. In all your ways, acknowledge him in everything you do, and he will give you a straight path that will keep you from, it won't keep you from trials, 
We could do a whole night on why you're going to face trials. We know that's coming. But he will keep you where you need to go. And using that uh, example of the skin, the skin will continually be growing and replacing the bad and the dead. So here's my request to you. There's two questions up there. Um, worship team, why don't you come on up? Two questions up on the board. What have you done to make yourself ready? I want you to talk about that tonight. And what have you been holding off to make yourself ready? Confess one to another that you may be healed. Talk tonight about what you haven't been doing, what you've been holding back, and encourage one another to let it go. Because the one thing that keeps us from letting go is pride. I don't want anybody to think I'm weak. I don't want anyone to think I'm stupid. I don't want anyone to think I'm poor. I don't want anyone to think I fill in the blank. Who cares what anybody thinks other than God? He's the one we should care about. On that final day when, when it says we will all be judged, even the believers will be judged and measured on our deeds. On that final day, who's standing there? All the guys I went to high school with? My wife? My coworkers, my boss, it's God and God alone that's going to that's gonna judge me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that um, through your word, through the communication of your word, we know what to do. Help us with what we need to do. Help us be ready. Help us throw away everything that is hindering us and help us to be able to climb aboard the ready train to be ready for the change that you're going to bring. And let us not try to give you the suggestions for the change, but let us be open to everything that you have in store. You are a good God who wants nothing but the best for us. Let us just shut up and listen to you for, for now, forever, so that we can heal from our hurts, our habit, habits, our hang-ups, our addictions, and our afflictions. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.